the tax that is probably a little harder to understand that I think we could also talk to our children about is this idea of FICA tax, right? This whole uh, Federal Insurance Contribution Act of 1935, thank you, President Roosevelt, and what FICA is designed to do. I mean, that's the tax that comes out of the paycheck that covers Social Security and Medicare. The reality is, as much as we think that that's our own Social Security and Medicare, it's really what's paying for today's Social Security and Medicare recipient. Did you know that we have three very complicated, interconnected relationships that when one gets a little out of whack, it might affect the other relationships? Ooh, what are those? Your relationship with money, your relationship with people, and your relationship with self. Wow, sounds like there's a lot there. The intersection of those three relationships is what we call financial sobriety. Maybe we should introduce ourselves. What do you think? Oh, that's a good idea. Jim Gebhardt. And I'm Matthew Grishman. We are the co-creators of the podcast, Financial Sobriety. Well, and you're the author of the book, Financial Sobriety. Well. Which led to the podcast. Let's go. Is it really weird that one of my favorite holidays is April 15th tax day? Yeah, most people are really crabby that day. Yeah, I'm, I'm not anymore. There's something about going completely counter to the culture that has affected how I look at holidays. And the one holiday I used to really hate was that April 15th tax day. I'm a, but I'm, I don't hate it anymore. I'm, I'm starting to love it. I'm unaware of the holiday. Ooh. I know Patriot's Day in Boston is a holiday. For me, April 15th is a holiday. As is June 15th, September 15th, and generally January 1st when we have to pay our quarterly estimated taxes. January 15th. January 15th, sorry. The reason those have become holidays for me is because you if take I'm- the, You take the day off? I take the day off to pay my taxes. No, I don't take the day off. But what I am reminded of is how fortunate I am and how grateful I am that I have the ability to go out and earn money in this world. Because if I'm not paying taxes, chances are I'm not making any money. And if I'm not making any money, I'm probably not living the kind of life that I want to live. That is an unconventional- Thought process there, brother. Now, I love paying my taxes, but I don't like paying more than my share. So how do we start having conversations with children where they can have a healthy relationship with money and understand what taxation is all about, and we can position it in a way that our children begin to have a healthier relationship with paying taxes, not paying too much taxes, not paying enough in taxes, but how do we help our children have this healthier relationship so we're not fighting this thing for the rest of our life and we're accepting what it is and why it is. That's what we're trying to do this summer with the Teach Your Children series. So let's go. All right. So what are we grateful for today? I had a very simple morning. I'm grateful for the simplicity of my morning and the beautiful blue sky and the sunshine and the crisp air and a beautiful cup of coffee and a morning conversation with my bride. And I know she doesn't like it when I call her my bride, but it's in a term of endearment for me. So a very simple, elegant start to the day. That's awesome. That's what I'm going to go with today. That's awesome. I don't know why we don't start with more gratitude at the beginning of our episodes, because we do it with our client meetings. We should do it at the beginning of our we episodes. We do it with our team meetings. We do it with our client meetings. We do it at the dinner table. And I think we just made an official pronouncement. Pronouncement? Sure. Announcement. I like pronouncement better. That we it goes that with now. our vernacular. We, we do that now. Yeah. I'm grateful for you. I'm grateful for you. There's not two of me. There's uh, there's a silent partner in the room. Well, you and I know that. 
better known as Ace. Yeah, we're the only ones here, so we know that. I am grateful for how quickly I can now attach myself to the present moment by literally looking at what's in front of me. I'm so grateful we get to do this. And the fact that Miles was awake before I left the house this morning, I got to spend some time with my boy today. I'm incredibly grateful that somehow, and I don't know, I don't know how this has worked. I guess I do, but you and I just get to show up. We just show up as who we are. And just by showing up, we get to be helpful to people. I got to be helpful to two people this morning without trying. I just returned a couple of phone calls mm-hmm. and just got to be incredibly helpful by just holding space, just listening. Yeah. And it was awesome. I'm so grateful. That is that awesome. It's just if we just show up, we get to do that. And I guess I know how we did that. It took a lot of years of work, a lot of years yeah, it of— wasn't didn't just happen. Yeah. It's a mindset that's been around in the frontal cortex of the old brain there, the old noggin, that yeah. uh, has been a very present thought for quite some time because it does not take very long to go down the rabbit hole. No. Whether it be a news story, whether it be something you read on social media, whether it's somebody you know or don't know, but you're somehow connected to them and zzzz, Yeah. You can easily go down the rabbit hole. Oh, absolutely. I, I find that I'm more resilient towards going down that rabbit hole when those external things get into my space if I do certain things first thing every morning. If I put my cape on, so to speak, first thing in the morning, if I put my— Not your mask. Not my mask, my cape. Let's be clear, people. My, yeah. My, not the mask. No. No, no. It's the opposite of the mask. It's preparing myself so that I don't accidentally put the mask on during the day. Right. Right. It's all those little connective things that I do to get connected to this power source that's greater than me. So it's not about me anymore. It's about me being part of. And if I do that in the morning, then I find that those little distractions that you talked about, like news stories or people's stories or people's lives or things happening in the news, they tend not to get me down that rabbit hole as easily as if I don't do those things every morning. Sure. And, that, and that's the anchor to embracing this whole life one day at a time and just being able to show up. One of the other things I'm incredibly grateful for is I remember what we talked about the last time we were sitting here in the, huh? in the studio. Uh-huh. Really? Yeah. I didn't even have to write it down, although I generally write it down so we could at least review a little bit. Awesome. Yeah. Remind me. <laughs> well, in this little episode of edutainment, why not? Yeah. Yeah. We're in this whole theme of teach your children, and what we're trying to use this kind of summer session of financial sobriety is what we're trying to do with it is help parents that are leaning into the show and becoming part of the community help be a better resource to their children because no matter what kinds of resources start to develop with one of the things we talked about last episode was this new bill in Rhode Island, this SB 349 bill where I got to order my vanity plate on that. I still You haven't done that yet? I haven't checked yet. Well, and Ace found out that it's only like 17 bucks to do that. Right, right. Did you 10 10 10 yourself on I that did. or something? I did. Okay. Well, it's been more than 10 minutes. Get on it. Okay. Okay. So we talked about this about how this one high school in Rhode Island was experimenting with a personal finance curriculum that's just been wildly successful. So much so that the governor signed the bill into law and Rhode Island is now implementing this new personal finance part of their high school curriculum. Consumer education finance or some some, some, some interesting phraseology, but something like that. The concept. Let's just stick with the concept on concepts awesome. And the intent behind what they're trying to do, which is to provide some foundational basic finance education at the high school level as part of the curriculum, which is 
really at the end of the day what you and I are all about. That's yeah. that's what we're hoping for here. Yeah. Is to get this next generation, as we like to say, with their feet and their legs underneath them. Yeah, that's what the whole summer approach is for, for the podcast here. My only thing I don't like about what the state of Rhode Island's doing is that I'm, I, my skeptic has kind of popped up a little bit because one part of me, I'm, I'm excited that something at a very high level is starting to happen. But then there's the, the skeptical side of me that's looking at the fact that who is the biggest spendthrift that we know of. Yeah, yeah, I, I get right? it. Right? I mean, government I get it. is one of the biggest spendthrifts out there who, I mean, the government so unintentionally just spend, 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 spend. Yeah. And do we necessarily want that to be the entity that's teaching our children about financial sobriety and being more intentional? But as I recall, they have a council that is going to be bringing in, and there was another interesting phrase for that. It was like, micro something. It was like micro, it wasn't microfinance, but they're looking for right. outside organizations that have curriculum to come in and be some of the basis of the backbone for the program. So and, I, and I, get, I, hope, I get your skeptic. Yeah. I totally get the skeptic raging. I hope raging. they use that stuff. I just, I hope they use that and don't use that as a way to change it to fit whatever the state's agenda is or whatever the federal government's agenda is if they jump on board one day. So I, I still, there's so much to be determined of what happens that I think part of our responsibility is to help empower parents to be the first primary source of resources for their children's financial sobriety, to help them understand what it means to be intentional with their money, to have a healthy relationship with money, and that anything that's provided at a state and federal level becomes just add-on stuff. Then we better get going. We better get going. All right, so let's get going. All right. Classes in session. So hopefully by now, you have purchased your copy of Financial Sobriety because we're going to be talking about some of the things directly from the book, some of the concepts from the book, the chapter on Teach Your Children, which starts on page 61. And then we're going to jump a chapter or two ahead and talk about some of the concepts in this con this chapter we wrote called Getting Started on the Right Path, which really the chapter serves two purposes. I wrote it. If you're hiking. Hiking. Yeah, getting started on the right path. That if you go work. down the wrong path on the hike, you end up in, you know, no, nowheresville. You could get lost and frostbite and stuff. That's what proves to me you're not a hiker. Okay, really? Because there's no such thing as the wrong path in hiking. I am one of the most organized hikers you've ever met. <laughs> it starts generally on the first hole and ends on the 18th hole. There you go. And there's a very dedicated path. You can't get and, lost. Well, yeah, that's why you get started on the right path. There's there a little go. cart path generally down one side. And come on. <laughs> Well, in, in this case, what we're talking about as far as getting started on the right path, and we said in the last episode that, or a couple episodes ago, that we're going to continue talking about things like how to help our children when they get that first job, some of the financial decisions they need to understand, specifically helping children understand that thing called payroll math. Are right? we going to talk about this or are we going to actually talk about it? Eh, we're going to talk about it and we're going to talk about it. Okay. And we're talking about it because what what I'm thinking about I don't know what you're thinking about, but what I'm thinking about I'm is- I'm thinking about lunch and Nick's Tacos. Ooh. Shameless plug, sorry. Little plug for Nick's Taco yeah, here sorry. in Roseville, California. Yeah, you sent me the menu, so what do you want me to do when we're sitting here two hours before lunch? I'm thinking about the tacos. Fantastic. Pork belly taco. No, I can't. It's too fatty for me. Oh. I'm more of a barbacoa kind of guy. You're missing it. You have the hard strength of an 18-year-old, you said. I do. Yeah, I don't. Oh. So yeah. I've, I've got to go with less belly. Ah. You should go with the Pollo Verde more, then. More pork, but less belly. There you go. I am thinking a lot about my oldest son, Miles, his first job. 
and how excited he was to come home and tell me what he was making an hour. Oh, boy. Have I got one of these, too? Uh-huh. He, he was going to get paid 15 bucks an hour for his first job. And what he was so excited about was his first week was going to give him 20 hours. And he was planning what he was going to do with the $300 paycheck he was getting. And that's where we had to push pause. Hang on a sec. What makes you think your paycheck's going to be $300? Well, because I'm getting paid $15 an hour times 20 hours. 15 times 2 is 30. Add their zero. There's 300. Exactly. Bing, bang, boom. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, but there are these things called taxes. Dun, dun, dun. Cue the Jaws music. There are these things called taxes. And this was just, it was a wonderful opportunity to sit down and help Miles understand based on some of the choices that he made when he filled out all that paperwork when he first started working and didn't come get my help, what that paycheck was actually going to look like. And it just, it was important from a standpoint of helping him set expectations to what that first paycheck was going to look like. What I was hoping to avoid was having him have this expectation of a $300 take-home paycheck and have it be less and wonder why. Well, okay, that was a lie. That was a lie. I wasn't hoping that he wouldn't have that experience. I was hoping he would have that experience. So Grace did have that experience. Oh, fantastic. She has done some lacrosse coaching. And the first time she had to fill out a W-4 was relative to some seasonal work she was doing as a lacrosse coach. And again, like Miles, it was $15 an hour. She was very excited because after the first, I mean, it's just a couple hours a weekend kind of thing. So yeah. the first paycheck was going to be four hours. Paycheck comes in the mail and we just put it on the counter for her. And she was totally fired up when she saw it and she ripped the thing open. And she was like, what? <laughs> I'll never forget her reaction. It was beautiful. I and can as picture a, her and, face and right as, now. As a parent... If you're a parent that has had the privilege of working and earning a paycheck and seeing what the net paycheck is and always having that slightly deflated feeling of, wah, wah. yeah, it's just like, oh, really? Now, there's a whole separate episode we could have on why you actually need to flip it around and look at taxes as a good thing, as a good thing yeah. versus a bad thing. So yeah. we could bookmark that for maybe the after lunch episode. And I, don't, I was in the kitchen and she said, what? I'm like, Grace, what's the matter? Did they like, did they spell Gebhardt wrong? Because it's never misspelled. <laughs> and she's like, and I quote, she was 16. What the hell is 5280? I said, is that like a passcode to a door or something? Sounds like a No, pen. that's my net paycheck is 5280. It was $15 an hour times four hours at 60 bucks. I'm supposed to have 60 bucks and I got 5280. She didn't sound like she was from Long Island or anything. But I did there in my little aggravated voice. Yeah, yeah. Although it sounded more serious. And I just, good try. I smiled. Oh, yeah. I didn't say anything. I just, I had the little Cheshire cat grin on my face like. Oh, oh and I'm sure she loved that reaction. Oh, that went over really well. Yeah. And I said, Muffin, what's the matter? Well, what's the $7.20? What, what's that about? Ah. And much like you setting an expectation for Miles, I wasn't quite as organized, and it just, this kind of all went down. You got the gift I was wishing for. And I said, oh, dear, dear daughter, dear daughter, let us sit by the fireside and have a chat. And Did, it was all about taxes. Yeah. 
Did you talk to her at all or ask her when she filled out the W-4 and did that little exemption thing? How many, what is it, the deductions, how many deductions that she was taking on the W-4? Because you can do, if you're a single person, you can do zero to three, you know, so that way if you have three different jobs, you can take one deduction for each job if you want. You could do zero on two of them and put three on one of them. I mean, what what did she... Yeah, so again, not as organized. Our conversation was more around, okay, sweets, here's the deal. I know, I know you're a little upset about this, but let's keep adding zeros to the paycheck and let me know when you want to vomit. Uh, with the amount of tax that that would represent. And so let's go from 60 to 600 to 6,000 to 60,000 to 600,000. Uh, let's just fantasize and go to 6 million. And where along there might you puke? And I said, but wait, there's more. Right. That $7.20 item in percentage terms actually goes up. It gets bigger when you make more money. It's a bigger number. Sure. And she's like, well, that's not fair. I was like, oh, this is just, this was just, it was, it was like milk and cookies for me in terms of just wanting to just. You got a little sapling of a fiscally oh, conservative daughter going let's here. Let's just savor this moment in sure. understanding the concept of tax. Yeah. And how interesting the visceral reaction of a 16-year-old who has no experience with taxes whatsoever, and the visceral reaction is disgust. Like they, they, something's been taken from them. Yeah. And I said, okay, well, where do you go to school? Well, uh, Dad, I mean, come on. I go to... Akalani's High blank School. Blank Akalani's High School, yeah. right? The public high school here yeah. in town. Uh-huh. How did you get there? I hate these trick questions, Dad. What are you talking about? Well, how... How, when you physically leave our house, how do you get to the school? Well, you know, I go down this road to that road, and I said, okay, keyword in that sentence is? Road. You know it. It took her a little while to get there. I'm like, those are public roads, right, that are paid for with your tax and my tax and her tax and their tax and everybody's tax. Sure. And we just we kept going on this conversation of where is it going? It doesn't, does, it, does it ever feel good when something is taken from you and you don't know where or why or what? Right. You feel oh. you feel like it's being stolen. Well, that's why she felt that way. That's exactly. why she had that visceral reaction. Exactly. Yeah. So how beautiful that you and I have had this opportunity or this gift to be able to talk with our kids at a young age when the paycheck is in the context of the real world is very small and having them understand there are things like withholding. Yeah. That you can make some adjustments. Right. You know? if, right. So if, if if she were to have put zero on the withholding, they would withhold more, which potentially sets her up for a tax refund at the end of the year. That's a that's a graduate level class. Is it? Yeah. Is that OK? Well, and maybe that's something that's worth talking no, about. I'm, I'm being smarty pants. I mean, the whole concept of the forced savings that comes from a tax refund and with a minor and uh, well, and that, yeah, that, I mean, that's it's, it's messy. Well, I think it, it, it's something for every parent to consider, and it's not something that you and I should necessarily advise people on. A because it's tax advice, and B because it's just not a prudent thing to do to provide blanket advice about how do you fill out a W four when everybody's got individual circumstances and situations. Well said. I think it's just important to Thank know you, that compliance. Yeah, it, it's just well. There are actually times where compliance makes sense. 
where it's logical because I do believe everybody is in a unique situation. Yeah, their situations are all unique. And and for a show like ours to provide individual advice and specific advice, that's called consulting. Yeah, it's this it's, is a show. Yeah, it's that's just silly. That's silly. But you know, re- realize that the lower the number on that withholdings the more tax is going to be taken out, the higher the number. So if you put a one on the withholding, they're going to take less taxes out, which means that your child may have a tax bill come April 15th. And I know in, in our family, and, and we've talked about this, you and I personally would prefer to keep more of our own money throughout the year and not get a big check back in April. I mean, that's that. It, to me, it's always made sense to have more use of my money. But I think for, for both of our children, it's not the worst thing in the world to have this little forced savings where all of a sudden they could get this little bonus on or around April 15th or May 15th, depending on what's happening that year, where perhaps they get they, they put a zero, they have more taxes withheld, and it's a little bit of a forced savings account for them. It, it was a bit of a happy day 20, 30 years ago when I first entered the work world yeah. uh, and had you know first legit job out of college kind of thing where there was. It was a little bit of a forced savings and- Tax time would come, and it's like, ooh, goody. Yeah. It was like, you know, Uncle Sam, also known as Santa, yeah. because they were coming with gifts, yep. and the gift was a little bit of a refund. And then as life progresses and you make more money and things get more complicated, it, that's generally not not what you're going to want. Totally. Did you also, when you were talking to Grace about this, and I mean, that's awesome that you were talking about the roads and, you know, how this money comes to pay for some of this stuff. I mean, heck not just the roads, but the school that you're going to, right? Yeah, the school. And I said, you know, what happens if there's a fire in our house? Right. Fire department. You call the private, do you call the private fire company? (laughs) Right. No, you call the fire department. Okay. Well, how, how do those brave souls get paid? Yeah. Well, and that's a great way to start explaining how the basics behind income tax works, because that's what our income tax goes to pay for. There's a second tax associated with this whole concept of payroll math that I think is also appropriate to talk about. And did perhaps, you stay in a Holiday Inn Express last night? I did. You were like so so Bobby business today. On, it's unbelievable. On, well, that you'll disrupt it. You bet. Uh, good. Well, did you ask her? Did you ask Grace about Grammy and Grampy, and some of their retirement income that they get? Not in that conversation. Ah, that could be another opportunity. But we but we certainly have talked about that where you're going with that. All yeah, while. yeah, because the 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 tax that is probably a little harder to understand that I think we could also talk to our children about is this idea of FICA tax, right? This whole uh, Federal Insurance Contribution Act of 1935, thank you, President Roosevelt, and and what FICA is designed to do. I mean, that's the tax that comes out of the paycheck that covers Social Security and Medicare. The reality is, as much as we think that that's our own Social Security and Medicare, it's really what's paying for today's Social Security and Medicare recipients. Yeah, and there's a separate Medicare component to that. Right. That's in addition to, but nonetheless, it's a you're you're paying into a system for a future benefit that is cash flowing today. Today, right. So part of what is coming out of the paycheck, as I explained to Miles, and what I'm now having conversations with Lucas as he's starting his first job, ironically at the same place his brother had his first job, is that 6.2 percent of what comes out of your paycheck off the top, that was the number for 2021, is going to go towards helping Mima and Poppy and Graham and all of these people that are on Social Security be able to receive that Social Security check. And one day, 
when you're retired and you're way, way down the road receiving that Social Security, there's going to be a 17-year-old working at the same place you're working at helping contribute to your retirement income. So a slight... Hopefully. Hopefully. And that, That's, that let's is... Let's bookmark that for another episode. Uh, <laughs> and just a slight tangent here that just that throw in a, a plug for Social Security. When we do our financial planning and we have the estimates from a client on what their Social Security is, and it, and it shows us the number of what that lifetime benefit is, it is a big, stinking number. Yeah. It is generally a fat seven-figure number. If you retire around full retirement age and live to life expectancy, the point to the exercise is don't put your head in the sand on this. Go to the Social Security Administration website and... If you've been working for a number of years, log in. And I've recently done that and actually had a challenge with the login process because it didn't it didn't recognize any of my addresses. And hmm. so slightly complicated issue, but you can get a paper form, which I did, and mailed it in for Beth and I and got paper statements back. I mean, you can just go online and log in and see your, your benefits in your online, you know, Social Security statement, which is pretty cool. Yeah. Just so that you're aware, right? I mean, we talk so much about the intentionality behind everything we're trying to help folks do with their money. Here's another one is you have one of the greatest annuities in the history of the world. Oh, yeah. Baking in the oven for you. Go look at it. Well, and how and how often do people just minimize the the whole Social Security conversation? I don't mean to get off on a total tangent today, but no, I think we've uncovered but- something important because, yes, teach your children about this concept of, of FICA and what that's funding. But selfishly, parents. Go I mean, log in. Yeah. I mean, th- think about it for a minute. I mean, we, we often think not much about this Social Security benefit, but if we really think about it for a minute, I mean, you can log in and get the facts, but even before you do that, just think about it for a minute. If your Social Security benefit is, let's call it two grand a month when you file and take it, and that's going to last you for the rest of your life. Uh, yeah, it's 2000 bucks a month. It's nothing to get excited about. Eh, two grand a month, whoop-de-doo. Well, hold on a second. $24,000 a year for the rest of your life. You and I are financial advisors. What most amount, of the time. Yeah, most of the time when we're not eating next tacos. What amount of money would a client need to have saved to be able to provide them 2000 bucks a month for the rest of their lives, assuming you know, 30, 40-year life expectancy? I mean, that's a six or seven hundred thousand dollar pot of money yes. that you would need to save to be able to create that kind of income for yourself yes. without running the risk of going to zero. In a normal interest rate environment. Exactly. Which we don't have. Correct. At the time of this show. So it's probably closer to a million pushing, bucks. Pushing a million, maybe, if I'm going to be conservative. So that's an unbelievably valuable benefit that we don't have to save in addition to necessarily because. It's a great start. Now, we're going to save in addition to that, but we've already got ourselves this million-dollar bucket that's going to create some retirement income for us that lasts the rest of our life. Assuming we we work in a capacity where we're paying into FICA. Correct. Good caveat. For a long time. Excellent. All right. So enough on payroll math. Have we? Love, uh, uh, yes. We've, we've beaten the drum on payroll math. Absolutely. So, so important. So let's talk about, okay, now that we've got the payroll math, we've got this first J-O-B, we've talked about this idea on the show a number of times for you know, personal success. Like you, You've asked me a number of times. We've had some listeners reach out and ask a number of times, 
what are some of the things that help me write the ship and get started on a right path? Yeah, right. And probably the most important was something you helped me see a long time ago was this concept of pay myself first. Sure. Now, obviously, the little caveat is we've got some taxes that come out of the paycheck, so we're technically paying other people first. But once that money hits my bank account, who's the first person to get paid from that money? Is it a bill collector? Is it a car loan? Is it a mortgage company? No, it's me. And I, and I believe that had I started with that concept at a much younger age, I probably would have missed out on some of the mistakes that I made with money. But again, I'm, I'm happy to have made those mistakes because they've led us to where we are here today. Sure, of course. But one of the most important things you helped me learn was this idea of pay myself first. And I think when we're talking to clients in our office, it might look a little different than when we're talking about helping parents help their children with this concept of pay themselves first, especially depending on the type of first job we're talking about. Yeah. I think that's a lot for one show, and we're getting super close to finishing up our summer school session. So let's pause here, let everybody catch their breath and digest what we've talked about. And we'll finish up this series of teaching your children on the next episode of the podcast. So with that, I think we're going to call it a wrap. If you like what you heard, leave us a review and be sure to subscribe. And check out our website, yourfinancialsobriety.com. Thanks again for listening today. Here to help you find more clarity, confidence, and capability along your journey into financial sobriety. I'm Matthew Grishman. And I'm Jim Gebhardt. Be intentional with your money. Jim Gebhardt is a registered representative of and securities offered through Brokers International Financial Services, LLC, member SIPC. Jim Gebhardt and Matthew Grishman are investment advisor representatives of Gebhardt Group Incorporated, a registered investment advisor. Brokers International Financial Services, LLC, and Gebhardt Group Incorporated are not affiliated. The opinions in this podcast are for informational purposes only and are not intended to provide specific advice or investment recommendations. To determine which investments or financial advice may be appropriate for you, consult a financial advisor prior to investing. Any reference to market performance is based on historical information and there is no expressed or implied guarantee of future performance. Opinions expressed on this program do not necessarily reflect those of Brokers International Financial Services, LLC. The topics discussed and opinions given are not intended to address the specific needs of any listener. Gebhardt Group Incorporated does not offer legal or tax advice. Listeners are encouraged to discuss their financial needs with the appropriate professional regarding your individual circumstance.